Bokar Tov, we're studying Shemuel Bet, chapter 15. At the beginning of, ch- of the chapter, Avshalom succeeds in convincing all of Am Yisrael to like him, or at least all of, uh, a lot of Am Yisrael to like him, uh, through his devious, his devious uh, uh, means of going to the courthouse and convincing people that he would have given them the court case, right? Okay. Which we said is obviously impossible to do when you're going to every single person and saying that same thing. Who's that? Oh. Okay. So, uh, and then whenever people would come and bow to him, he'd say, no, 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 don't bow to me, don't bow to me. He'd hold them down and, and play that shtick. Um, so, he did this and he stole the hearts of Am Yisrael, as Psukim say, and then it was after 40 years, 40 years from what? According to the Farshim, it was 40 years from Shemuel, uh, when Amis, from Am Yisrael asking for, Sh- for Shemuel for a king. Already, Avshalom is trying to take over the kingship. And we already have the deleterious effects of having a kingdom in general come to play, which would be how the commentaries explain why that Shemuel scene is referenced. Okay? Now what does Avshalom tell his father? He says, look, I need to go to Hebron to bring a korban. And I made a promise. So I'm going to go to Hebron to bring, to bring korbanot. Uh, my promise was that whenever I come back from my exile in Geshur, I will thank Hashem with korbanot. So I'm going to Hebron to do korbanot. And then David says to him, Lech b'shalom v'yakom v'yelech Hebron. And then he goes to Hebron. Now he's going to Hebron for a devious purpose. His, his, he's going to Hebron in order to announce his own kingship. Why he's doing it in Hebron, we addressed in the last class. Because Hebron was the seat of Yehuda. Was the, was the main city in Yehuda. That's where David originally had his kingdom for the first seven years of his reign. So it would make sense that the son of the man of Yehuda would go back to Yehuda in order to fund his campaign or in order to, to grow his campaign. It could also be, according to Amnon Bazak, that as soon as David moved the kingdom from Yehuda or Hebron to Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim be more, being more central in Israel, so Yerushalayim was David's way of saying, okay, I'm going to move the capital to a place where everybody has access to me and not Yehuda. The people of Yehuda kind of said, we thought, you know, we wanted the, the favoritism. So at least there were some people within Yehuda who were who enjoyed the days when they were the main people, when the capital was there and so on. So when Avshalom comes and he comes back to Hebron, it's almost like he already has a, a, a base of, of, rallied, uh, of, of, uh, of people that are, that are ready to rally around him. Okay? So that's, that's the whole thing with Yehuda. Pasuk Yud. And then he sent messengers to all of the tribes of Israel saying that when you hear the sound of the shofar, you have to say that Avshalom has become king in Hebron. So he sends the messengers and he's going to have his coronation ceremony in Hebron. Mike, do you know what Holech um, Letumo means? Oh, he's muted. So Holech Letumo means someone who's... Mike? Someone who's dying? No, no, no. Holech Letumo is like... Uh, you ever heard the phrase Messiah Lefitumo? So, so... Which phrase? Messiah Lefitumo. 
So I'll, tell, I'll, I'll explain. Holech lechumah means going innocently. Oh, yeah, like in... 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 In Aidut, sometimes, let's say you're in a, in a court, if you hear someone say something innocently, like he's just talking to his friend and two edim or something, hear him speaking and he casually mentions that he was at the bar last night, right? So there's an added, there's an added uh, level of, of believability to that fact. Because when someone is speaking when he's speaking just innocently or more um, he is, he is, he is. Uh, so when, when someone is speaking innocently and when they're uh, you know and when they're just when they're just chatting they're not going to invent stuff or they're not going to lie about their whereabouts right when they're under oath and they're talking to a court then it becomes okay maybe he's lying that he went to the bar in order to, to I don't know, have an alibi okay mm-hmm. so so holochim de tumah means they're going innocently, meaning that these people were called by Avshalom and they didn't know that Avshalom was about to announce his kingdom, his kingship. Mm-hmm. So another sly tactic by Avshalom. Avshalom said, people, 200 people go with him, they were called and they were going innocently. They didn't know anything. Now, Rashi says something very interesting, quoting a masachat that... that uh, Mikey knows well. Before Rashi, Masachat Sota Yerushalmi. Oh, actually, no, it's the Yerushalmi Sota. Sorry, sorry, Mikey, you don't know this. Before Rashi, Masachat Sota Yerushalmi. She bikesh me Aviv she ichtov lo shekot shnei bnei adam she yivakesh elchui mo yelchu veya marei otah lishnayim kano lachar kach lishnayim acharim vechen arbe. He went. He got permission from his father to write him a note saying, giving permission for two members of the court to go with Avshalom. Now, what did Avshalom do? He showed it to two people, he showed it to another two people, he showed it to another two people. He showed it to a hundred pairs of people until he got 200 people to come with him under the assumption that the king sent them with him. Mm-hmm. So he got 200 people to think that they're on a mission to go by word of the king to go with Avshalom to Hebron. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how the, the Gemara explains it, which means, I, I don't know um, if the Gemara is Peshat, but the point is that Avshalom was very good at making people think that what he's doing is official and is, is, has a stamp of approval of the king. Pasuk Yud Bet. Avshalom sent for Achitofel the Giloni, the advisor of David, from his city in Gilo, when he was bringing the Korbanot. And the rebellion was strong. And the people were Increasing in number those who were with Avshalom. Okay, so this Achitofel, who is this guy and why is he mentioned here? It's our introduction to Achitofel, but Achitofel is going to feature very, very, very importantly in the story. Achitofel was, and later we're going to see, was the advisor that David had the highest respect for. It was the advisor that, that, that David thought was the most brilliant of his advisors. And the fact that Avshalom was able to win him over from David's side is going to be a huge advantage for Avshalom. And we're going to see that. And it's going to be something that troubles David greatly that Achitofel is now on the side of Avshalom because David knows him to be an extremely brilliant advisor. Why did Achitofel join? So there's a Midrash that says that Achitofel was the father of uh, Batsheva. That's not the Midrash, that's in Divrei Yamim. It says that Achitofel was the father of Batsheva. And Achitofel had a nevoah that the kingdom would be his or his, his family's. So he thought that he'll go and support Avshalom and then he'll kill Avshalom and he'll take the kingdom himself based on this nevoah. But, his family is but really, Shlomo. his family is Shalomah and he misunderstood that Shalomah was the one who was going to be the king. Okay? Uh-huh. 
All right. Uh, so he got Rav Shalom, he, got, he gets Achitofa, which is a big deal, Pasuk Yud Gimel, a messenger comes to David and he says, The heart of Israel has followed of Shalom. Pasuk Yud Dalid, So David hears the, the news that people have followed of Shalom and that they're proclaiming him as king. So what do you think David's response should be? Let's kill him. <laughs> let's go. Let's go out. Let's go out to war. Let's let's uh, squash the rebellion. So we have two things that are maybe running. That's on the, on David's mind. One is we know that David loves of Shalom. You know we're going to see that very clearly at the end when of Shalom dies, the way David mourns for of Shalom. He does love of Shalom. Uh, there's a reason of Shalom had so much, uh, uh, so many arrogant pretensions. Maybe because his father gave him so much kavod. He was handsome. He had nice hair. So we know David loves Avshalom, so he may not want to go to war with him. But there's another very fascinating thing. And this is something that Amnon Bazak brings up. Which is, when was the last time David had another king, quote-unquote, running after him? And David did something that caused damage to other people in the city? When he ran away to Nov, the city of the Kohanim. The Kohanim, they all right? got slaughtered by Shalom. And even after, David admits, and he says, I knew Doeg HaAdomi was there, and that he was going to say Lashon Hara. So now, according to Amnon Bazak, what's running in David's mind is, last time, the people died for me. Can you say Hodu? I'm trying to make it. Huh? Can I make it, sure. Okay. Wait, okay. Right. So, so he said, last time, I tried something like this. Last time, the, it ended up in the death of the entire city of the Kohanim. So in David's mind, he's thinking, you know what, I'm not going to take that risk again. I'm not going to have people die for me. Now, this could actually be a very beautiful thing. As we're going to see, David runs away from Yerushalayim. Now, it could be that one of the problems we were seeing with David was that he was taking his personal stuff and giving them precedence over the national interest. And maybe David is now saying, you know what? Putting my personal uh, grandeur aside, and my, if, if the people don't want me, I'm going to say that the national interest is more important than my personal desires. Mm-hmm. So this is actually a very noble thing that David is doing as he's running away from Yerushalayim, in that, in that he's, putting, he's just letting go of power for the sake of not starting a fight, for the sake of saving Yerushalayim. He's saying, if the people don't want me, I'm not going to be king. I'm not going to rule without their mandate. He doesn't see Shalom's evil intentions. So he does. So David says to all of his servants in Yerushalayim, Let us go and run away. There will not be for us a, an opportunity to get away from Avshalom. Run away quickly. Lest he rushes and he catches us. And he brings upon us the evil. And the city is, and he strikes the city by sword. I'd rather lose my kingdom than watch Yerushalayim fall by the sword. The servants of the king said to him, Any, everything that you choose, we are with you. We are your servants. Okay, we are here. There is an alternative approach to what David did. You could see it as a little bit negative. You could say, instead of saying, oh, it's noble because he's putting aside his power for the sake of the health of Yerushalayim and for the sake of the well-being of the people of Yerushalayim, you could say the opposite and say, this is another instance of David giving in and having no hope. And ever since that sin with Bathsheba, he's just lackadaisical and, and he doesn't have any energy and he doesn't have any will and desire. And 
the lion David who used to fight the enemies of Israel is now you know, a shell of his former self. You could have that negative view. I could also see how that could fit into the Peshat. Um, I, I think this is, I like to see this more of like a redemption thing. As, you know what, it, power isn't everything and I'm not in this for the power, I'm in it for the name of God. And if that means I have to let go of the power, I let go of the power. The king and his family left by foot But the king left 10 women who were his concubines To guard the house Now why is this significant? We're going to see why it's significant Avshalom is going to end up doing something with these women That's why the story is giving us Giving this information to us now Probably they, I mean, to take care of the house, I don't know. Maybe he had hopes of returning. He probably did have hopes of returning. Like the second it said that, it I mean, sounded, I know he had hopes of returning. It sounded like David is like openly giving his concubines to Absalom. I doubt he did that. I but, know, but that's you know, how it sounds. Right. You know what I mean? Like that, like being with the, the wife or concubine of the king is like a clear statement that I'm, you're, I'm you're, now, the new, you're the I'm king. Now. Yes, correct. You understand? Correct. So like, it seems like a very weird move by David to do such correct. a thing. I actually didn't, didn't think of it much, honestly. Why he left them? Why didn't he take these, these uh, pilakshim? And all it says is that they were there to, to take care of the home, of the house, mm-hmm. of the king. And the king and all the people went by foot and they stood at a distance. And now that he's at a distance, enough that he's, you know, he's out of Yerushalayim, so they feel a little bit safe, all of his servants walk by him so they can, he can take an accounting of who's there. The kereti and the pileti, there are many interpretations of what the kereti and the pileti were that joined him. The classic interpretation that you'll find in the Midrashim is that it's a form of, of soldier. The slingers and the stone throwers, something like that. Or the archers and the stone throwers. Another possibility is that they were, that I saw in the more modern Mefarshim, like I think in, Am- in Amnon Bazak, is that Kreti and Pleti were the hired mercenaries. That every king had like international, an international group of, of army that he would pay for, mm-hmm. that, were lo- that had no interest in the national no affairs. And no they loyalties, just, just whoever was paying them, they would, they would be loyal to him, right? So you have that put the possible interpretation, and then the classic interpretation that we've used before is that kretiu pleti is are the urim v'tumim that provided insight of God's will to Israel, and then finally there's another interpretation that the kretiu pleti is the Sanhedrin that the Sanhedrin came with David as well. Now the meaning of all these various possible interpretations for the kretiu pleti I don't know, but there you have it. That's that's the extent of it. The whole gitim then the gitim came. Who were the gitim? Two possible interpretations there. Gat was a city in, in Philistia, right? It's a Pelishti city. And we know David Amalek spent a few years in Gat. So he built up friends in Gat, right? So it could be that these are the Pelishti friends that David built up and they ended up joining him and supporting his kingdom when he came to Yerushalayim. And now they're joining him as he's running away. So that's one possible interpretation. Or the Gitim are the Jewish residents that lived close to the to Pelishti city of Gat who also became friends with him while he was running away in Gat. So it could be Jews or Goyim here. Uh, yeah. We saw whenever the, the Aaron was returned to the house of Ovededom or was brought to the house of Ovededom, Ovededom was a Giti. But all the Mepharshim say he was a Levi Giti, meaning because there were Jews that lived near Gat, yeah. right? 
Okay? Shesh meot isha shirbao braglo. There were 600 men that came with him. Migat overim al pnei amelech from Gat that were walking with the king passed by him. So the kereti and the peleti came with him and the gitim came with him and his servants uh, and th- that was, those were the servants. Okay? Pasuk, should we stop there or should we continue? So, so again, so David is leaving the city of Yerushalayim and he's running away and these are the groups that came with him. And one of these gitim that were with him is named Itai Hagiti, very noble man. The king says to him, Lama telech kam ata itanu. Why are you coming with us? Shuv veshev aim hamelech kinochri ata vegam goleata lim komecha. He says, Go, return, and go back to the king, to your own king, because you are you're not a Jewish person. You're a nochri. You're from out out of this. You're not an Israelite, and now you can go back to your place. You can just go back. There's nothing, no risk in you going back. Pasukaf. Yesterday you came and joined me and supported me. And now I'm not only going to appreciate what you've done in the past, but I'm going to cause you to come with me. I'm just going wherever I'm going. I don't even know where I'm going to end up. You're going to come with me to the place I don't even know where I'm headed. Shuv, go back. And return your uh, brothers with you and bring your brothers with you. Chesed ve'emet, you're doing for me a kindness and a truth. Now, what do you think Itai is going to do? Is he going to leave or is he going to stay? Itai agiti? Sounds like he's going to stay. Sounds like he's going to stay. Pasukafalo Adonai Adonai Amelech by the life of God and by the life of the king. Ki bimkom asher yesham Adonai Amelech im lemavet im lechaim kisham avdecha. Wherever the king goes, whether it's for life or for death. That's where your servant will be, okay? So Itai does not accept to leave. Um, and he decides to stay with David. And that's showing a lot of loyalty to David from a goy. Yeah. You know, it seems like if, according to some interpretations, all of David's uh, um, uh, support right now is coming from the goyim and not from the Jews. If the Kriti and the Peliti are the hired mercenaries and the Gitim are not the Jewish Gitim, but the goy, goy Gitim, that's like his whole... Thing is, also we're we're looking at things in like a very like closed off time frame. It's been like thirty plus years since David started his reign mm-hmm. up until now. So like times have changed, things have evolved, people's perceptions have like thing. People have become complacent over David. Right, they've gotten used to him. Yeah. They stopped appreciating the good that he's he's brought them. Exactly. So it seems yeah. it seems like people just wanted change. After means. some time of having good, people will ask for change just because just because they're bored. Yeah. You know, that couldn't be happening with Am Israel. There's a very fascinating analysis we'll do tomorrow on this story of Itai Giti. Um, and there's a very, very, very important Adak. Amen. Amen. Amen.